My sense is that Mary Magdalene is coming to the fore these days for so many women. So many women are feeling the calling to Magdalene consciousness because she holds the power of love in many different contexts, right? So she is the soft, sweet mother that is completely present and completely there for anything that is needed. She is the powerful, loving teacher that's going to lovingly guide us through our initiations and what we really need. She is the sister that's going to be there with us through whatever is needed. She is also the powerful Kali-like force that comes in and says, I'm going to love you unconditionally. And right now it's tough love. And you need to look at that girlfriend because that's not how it is. And she said that to me many, many, many times. I'm like, okay, I get it. Okay, whoa, okay. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow, I feel good. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you all today. Please, if you're liking the shows, remember to subscribe, press that like button, send me an, a message. And thank you for all the people on the last show. When I said this last time, I had heaps of people message me that had said, I've never messaged you before because I listen on audio and I don't have the opportunity. So I went to the YouTube to message you. And thank you for all the people that messaged me. I love hearing from you and hearing your stories and uh, appreciation. It's so beautiful. Even your criticisms. I love that too. Well, today we've got the gorgeous divine feminine energy in the house with Melissa Sophia Joy. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. I met Melissa through Michael Nay. Michael Nay had put on a bit of an angel conversation on his uh, YouTube channel, Beyond Being Human, and he had the angels, you know, had the gals talking about the angels, and Melissa was one of them. And uh, I think he had Antoinette, uh, one of the angel ladies here in Sydney, Antoinette was supposed to come on and speak about her experiences with the angels, and she didn't end up turning up. So he quickly messaged me and said, can you jump on? And I said, yeah. And then I met all these beautiful women talking about angels. But we're going to go into, well, we'll talk about the angels today. They love being talked about and the gorgeous divine feminine energy. Let me tell you a little bit about Melissa. Melissa Sophia Joy has gone through multiple layers of spiritual awakening and mystical unfolding, arising from a living connection and relationship with Sophia Divine Mother. She discovered this path through an intense decade-long dark night of the soul journey. She's been given a torch of divine feminine healing and awakening and a carrier of ancient divine feminine wisdom traditions of healing, seeing the light of the divine within all of us. Melissa is the founder of the Sophia Healing Academy and Somatic Awakening. She's been a licensed naturopathic doctor, a mind-body spirit specialist and intuitive healer for over 20 years. And as an ordained oracle of the Council of One, priestess 
in the Magdalene Sophia tradition. She's been teaching consciousness, spirituality, energy medicine, and holistic studies for over three decades and is deeply committed to being a spiritual practitioner. Melissa says, I do what I do because my life was turned completely upside down when I was on my knees for so long that I learned how to surrender to my higher self and the divine. And you've got an ebook called The Four Golden Keys of Healing. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Utilizing the power of your higher self to heal your deepest wounds with somatic awakening. And your website is sophiahealingacademy.com. So what was going on with the dark night of the soul and how did the dark night of the soul happen? Did something happen in your life or did you just sort of plunge into a deep depression, feeling lost in the world? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What was going on? Well, there were many different pieces that happened. I mean, it was a whole decade experience. There was one thing after another. But at the very beginning, what happened was that I had a great life, right? I was a director of a program at a college called New College of California. The program was called Consciousness Healing Ecology. I was living my passion. I was teaching. I was married. I had a beautiful daughter, four-year-old daughter, and the uh, college closed. My, at that point, husband asked me for divorce. Uh, the college had been struggling for a long period of time. And so they hadn't paid me for months on end. So my savings were gone. I went through a bankruptcy and that would, that really started the downward spiral. Um, from there, what happened is that I had already had a lot of past life memories come in about, I would say five years prior, I had this experience where normally the, the boundary that really divides us from really living in this life and understanding, okay, this is the, this is the, the uh, container that we are in, right. And having that rip and have the ability to remember multiple, many, 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 many thousands of years of lifetimes. So that was really intense. And that started turning up more and more and more and more through the dark night of the soul. And most of the time, whenever people think, oh, you can remember past lives, how cool, how great that is, right? But actually, for me anyway, my path has been straught with or strewn with uh, multiple levels of trauma. So I remembered being tortured or burned or this or that on and on and on it went. And it was really traumatizing to my present time being my nervous system, my animal body was freaking out because I knew too much, way too much overwhelmed. And I needed to figure out how to heal from this experience. So I tried multiple different things, you name it everything from multiple different levels of hypnotherapy to shamanic work, to ritual work, to Reiki and breath work. I learned, I certified in all of many, many of these modalities and all of them helped to some degree. But at the end of the day, I was left with <clears throat> the energy, the emotion the, of the trauma inside of me. So even though I might've felt a little more stabilized by what I was learning and what I was experiencing, I still felt this overwhelming density of trauma in my being. And that's when I literally got down on my knees and said, okay, I can't do this. I just can't do this. And I had already had a lot of 
experience prior with spirit, with the divine visions and awakening. So I knew beyond my linear mind that there was something that was true regarding spirit and what I had experienced. And I just felt at a very deep, so level, I just needed to break open and really ask for divine support. And shortly after that happened, I had this vision in the middle of the night that changed everything. In essence, what occurred is that Yeshua and Mary Magdalene came to me in the middle of the night. I was completely dumbfounded, <laughs> but also in this ecstasy of their presence, the incredible love they were conveying to me. And they said, it's time. It's time to go through multiple levels of initiations for you to remember who you are so you can share it with the world. And that's when things started changing. They gave me a list of things to do. One of the things, for instance, was to meditate every day for at least 45 minutes, if not longer. And what occurred from there is that Mary Magdalene started coming in and other ascended masters after her started coming in and teaching me how to engage the power of our higher self and the multiple aspects of our higher self to come into direct engagement with our shadow, with our contracted parts inside, with the negative voices inside and the dense weight of trauma that we can carry inside of us. And when we do so, how that completely transmutes the density and we become freer. We have the ability to live in alignment with our higher self more on a daily level. We have the ability to activate more fully the divinity of our own soul and its wisdom and its passion and its power in our lives. So what ended up happening is that my life was so deeply transformed in such a powerful way in the awakening that happened that it was a very easy next step for me to then share it with those in my practice, because I was during this whole time I was practicing. This is you know, how I made a living in the world. This is my career. So then I would start sharing it with the people in my practice. And what I noticed is that they started getting much better, much faster than all the other modalities that I had been using because they were really connecting to their own higher self, their own conduit, their own energy of divine love and power and, and whatever was needed so that they could transmute. And shortly thereafter, I just got this Really, I can't say it's one sign. It was multiple different signs from spirit that said, okay, now it's time to share. And so I've been sharing this ever since. And now I just recently opened Sophie Healing Academy last year. I'm writing a book about it, which I've spent the majority of my day like writing this book. And so I just feel like I'm such in the flow with you being here, communicating about this work. This is my life's mission and I'm delighted to be here. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I want to ask you a question for the audience because you said that you were feeling the trauma of negative emotion, of um, of pain, of trauma, of all that stuff that we feel as humans, and then you were relating it to some past life. So you were seeing that it was coming in not just from this life but from other lives, and so you were um, at a choice point, at a at a at a point in this lifetime where you had the opportunity to heal to heal it for yourself and the collective. And you had studied many other healing arts. What do you think the difference was that really helped you transmute, transcend, let go of holding on to the trauma and pain? What was different from like 
other mm-hmm. things that you've done, other healing, mm-hmm. you know, the other things that you had mentioned? That's a really, really good question. What I feel and sense was different was that in this process that I was being taught, what happened is that, and what happens is that that our higher self, our spirit, comes into direct contact. So say, for instance, this is a traumatized part that feels frozen and stuck, right? Some trauma that happened, whether it's, you know, whenever we're five years old, or it could be 500 life, you know, years years ago, and it's stuck because it's so much in fear, right? So this is what happens when we get get really traumatized. It just closes down into a fist, so to speak. So what happens is that the higher self comes in and first holds space with this energy and a very powerful presence that's unassuming, that's not expecting anything. It's not expecting it to heal immediately. It's it's just like, I'm here. I love you. I know you. I've been with you. I will always love you. And that will never end. And I will stay here until you are ready to open to this love. So I'm just going to hang out here and you receive this love when you're ready. And so what happens is that sometimes we have contractions that are like, you're here finally. Yes, I'm ready to receive this love, transmute, right? Sometimes they're so held down with so much fear and terror that it takes a while. But the beautiful thing about this is this this is our spirit. This is our higher self. And our higher self and our spirit, in essence, is a conduit for divine love, divine care, divine presence, right? And so the way that I, I see it is that, you know, we have divine all around us. Divine is everywhere, right? But this is a very specific, unique conduit of the divine that flows through us. And there are ways that we which we can connect to it on this higher and higher, higher level. But what happens is that when we connect down and come into contact with these traumatic places, what occurs is that not only does the divine know this part better than anyone else, anyone else, because it's been with us through time and space, right? But also it has the ability to stay. It's like a a person who's gone out with 10 different guys and all the guys were like, yeah, you're cool, but I'm not going to hang around. You know, and then finally, there's the guy that's like, I unconditionally love you. I'm here with you. I am never leaving. You're the one, right? And so our spirit is the one to each and every trauma that we have, that is held inside of us. And when the trauma understands that, oh my God, you mean my spirit is here forever for as long as it takes until I'm ready to actually open. Wow, this is amazing. So what happens is the trauma finally opens, opens its hands, so to speak. And when it does, it shows the underbelly of pain that's there. And when that underbelly of pain is there, what happens is that even more higher vibrational divine energy comes down and exquisitely meets it. Like, like a mother that has been longing for her child and her child has been crying and crying and crying. And finally the mother can come in and hold the child in the way that the child most wants, because that's what the mother wants. And so this is what makes it different. It's interesting that you use the, um, the analogy of the child and the mother. There's a video going around that's gone viral 
of a toddler having a tantrum. <laughs> and the one that's doing the mothering is, is the father, is a, is a male. And he's sitting cross-legged on the floor in his hoodie, just witnessing and watching this, just be, just just what you've been describing, just just being there for this toddler as it and it just goes on forever and ever and ever and ever as you watch this toddler just in just this excruciating pain just screaming and screaming and screaming and the father's just there like not attempting to fix it not attempting to heal just there and then when the toddler reaches out for the hug you know then the father embraces all the mothering energy through the father what makes me cry embraces the toddler but what it sort of says to me is this, we can't sustain that energy forever. Like we can't sustain that negative emotion, that traumatized emotion, that pain. We just, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And in those moments where we let go of it, in exhaustion, I think it can be exhaustion, like yeah. that's the window for the divine or the higher self that's the window where we can access it because in our pain, we can't access our higher self. So like with the analogy of the toddler, there's the father sitting there with this unconditional love and this toddler has no access to that love mm -hmm. in its trauma, in its screaming and just no, it can't, there's, there's not a vibrational match. There's no, even though it's right there in front of him, her, the toddler, I don't know if, if the toddler's a girl or a boy. Um, I think the toddler's naked, but the genitals are blurred out. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think that we have to find a way, well, we don't have to, but there is that way where you just can't sustain that energy anymore. And, and when you let go of it, it might be for a minute, it might for, be for a day, an hour, you have access to a different frequency. And that's where meditation comes in, right. like you, you say, because, you know, you might not find joy in your meditation, but you have an opportunity to let go of the trauma, the negative thoughts, the vibration that you're believing is your truth. Yeah. Because the question I was going to pose you was, how can people recognize their higher self, like in their meditation? You know, when you say the higher self comes to meet you, how does someone recognize that? Mm -hmm. Well, there's, there's two different answers to that. I'll say, first of all, with what was given me, my job was then tasked to convey this to other people in a form that makes sense, right? So somatic awakening has become a form that has multiple different aspects. It has principles that really help that process. It, it connects you to many different like meditations and transmissions that actually help connect you to your higher self. So you can feel that higher aspect of, of self. So to answer it for a person who is meditating and not really interested in, you know, diving into a whole form, what I would say is that what you want to do is that you want to invite in a differentiation between the heavy, dense aspects of self and the aspect of self that is constantly loving and present and unconditional, right? So if we go into meditation, for instance, and we, we really feel the heavy aspects of self are pulling us down, 
or what you want to do is say, okay, I want to, I want to be with you. I'm not, I don't want to ignore you, but let me bring in another aspect of self that can actually more fully be present with you. Right. And so one of the ways that I have people do this is when they go deep into meditation and, you know, you're moving into this place where there's a, a softening of the, the thoughts, right? So the linear mind is no longer engaged. When we move more into presence and the more the feeling, sensing, intuiting ways are present, then we have more ability to connect into our higher self. And our higher self is really everywhere, right? But there is a majority of our higher self that I've found up in our upper chakras. So uh, seven and above, especially eight, we can really at the eighth chakra, which is about 17 inches above our head, we can really connect into our higher self. And I invite people in my meditations to connect to the higher self through the eighth chakra by just moving awareness up there and then just relaxing back and noticing the higher self moving toward being literally magnetized toward our awareness. And that could show up as you know, vast wisdom or spaciousness or love, right? And then asking the higher self to just very simply, without needing to try or force anything from a linear place, to connect to our higher self-witness consciousness. And the, the higher self-witness consciousness is similar to the word witness that's used in a lot of mindfulness circles in the sense that it's neutral. However, it holds so much more because it's also connected to our higher self because of that, that it has incredibly powerful presence and love and compassion, right? And so even if a person can get a sense, even a smidge of understanding or feeling this part of self, then they can bring it down to be with the hurt part, just like the dad is holding space for the contracted parts, right? And that's that's really what it's all about. It's it, At the first level, it's all about creating relationship. Oh, I'm not just this pain. I'm not this voice that says I'm not good enough. I'm not my jealousy. I'm not my less than, whatever it is, right? So you just come into relationship. And the more that you do this process, the more you can connect into the higher frequencies available to us from our higher self and the divine energy that flows through. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I suspect... Um... I suspect it's like any other thing that we want in life. It has uh, three components, ask, orchestrate, allow. So if we want to connect to our higher self, we ask. Right, <laughs> the exactly. The orchestration part is the part of our of source. Like we don't even have to interfere, but we have to find that allowing space. So exactly. what I find a lot of people do, um, it doesn't matter what they're asking for, whether they're asking to connect with their higher self or asking for psychic abilities or to be a healer or, you know, for material stuff, like to be rich or to meet a lover or to get a better job or a better house or a better car, whatever we're asking for, it's that allowing part that's just, that slips people up. You know, they just don't know how to allow that to come in. So that, that's where the meditation comes into it. It's like, relax, that's right. relax. And know it will happen and it will. Just relax. It's you've you've asked. The kitchen's cooking up your meal. Just wait. It's coming. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And you know, one of the things that I have found in doing this inquiry of well, how do I teach this people and what are the principles that are important? One of the most significant things is 
get out of our linear mind. Yeah. Get out of your right? own linear mind. Yeah. Is like, okay, is it coming? Is it here? Is it going to be tomorrow? What? Wait, it's not happening. Right. And, but when we can move into, as I call the three awareness of the present moment of feeling, sensing, and intuiting ways of being, then we can relax more into it because forcing will not work with this modality. I know I've tried and I've had a lot of clients and patients and students tried force, force, force. And it all just falls apart. It's like, it just disintegrated. I'm like, right, because we're trying to force. So let's just see if you can back up and relax more, <laughs> get into presence. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's why the the Mary Magdalene energy or the divine feminine or whatever we've labeled it is so important right. uh, to, as a component, as you know, to, to, to accentuate, to um, excel, accelerate, activate, accentuate, because we've been so taught to be in the linear, logical, work it out, figure it out, work harder, strive harder, strive right. longer, work right. longer hours. You know, we've been indoctrinated into this way of thinking. We haven't been asked to relax and allow, <laughs> relax and allow and feel. So when you were experiencing your past lives, how did that come to you? Did it come to you in a flash? Did it come to you as a dream uh, when you were sleeping at night? Did it come to you just when you were, you know, bipping around, washing the dishes, driving the car, and you got a memory? How were your past lives being revealed to you? It's a really good question because there's many different ways that they can be revealed to me. Um, sometimes I've been reading something. I'll give you an example. Um, there is a group of early Christians called the Cathars, right? They were in the South of France. Probably many people know about them, but just in case you don't, they were in the South of France and they were really uh, practicing the lineage of Mary Magdalene. And uh, when I first read about the Cathars, it felt like these huge waves of energy coming through my body. And I felt complete grief overwhelming my system and I started crying and I was like shaking and I didn't know what was going on and I felt crazy for about 24 hours until I went to my therapist who did Reiki and breath work and I was able to breathe and I connected in oh I've been a cathar probably more than one lifetime but this lifetime oh that ended really badly Right. And so that, that was, that's one way it can come. Right. So this is just one story. I've had other experiences like that, where I pick up something and I just start crying and I'm, why am I crying about that? I don't know, but I can feel it inside of me. Uh, I also have had memories come up through meditation. For instance, I just I was in the big Island was on the big Island of Hawaii and um, as part of being there, I was in a very powerful retreat. And at the end of the retreat, I went to this very sacred area of the island and I sat um, for a really long time. And I had these two aspects of my past lives come to me there. And it was really beautiful and so profound and had such a high energy and such a profound vibration. It was a Lemurian consciousness. And I went into this awakened state of unity consciousness for a while it, it imprinted so profoundly on me. It was like I was catapulted back in time and I had this awakening experience of unity consciousness that I had never had in this lifetime. 
so profound that at one point I was like, okay, turn it down. Okay, it's too much for my system and my present day body because it's, whoa, this is really big, <laughs> you know? So, so there's, I think that the short of it is that there's many different ways that they can come in. But the primary thing is that I can feel it on such a deep level in my body that it feels so profound that I, I can't ignore it. It's just, it's there. And now it's time for me to deal with it. Right. I used to think when these first started coming on, I'm like, I'm collect connecting into the collective unconscious and this is what's happening and da, 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 da. And then I started going deeper and deeper into inquiry with what was going on. And I realized maybe that's, maybe that's part of what's happening, but this is also very individual. Can you admit this to yourself? I was like, okay, this is what's happening. My body is being racked with this emotion, positive and negative. Let's be with what is. Why do you think that you were shown your past lives? And, you know, as the trauma of your past lives, because you could be shown a past life where you're happy and, I don't know, doing your thing, <laughs> but you, whatever you were doing, you were dancing, you're an artist, yeah. you were, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> president, <laughs> Cleopatra, everyone's Cleopatra. Exactly. <laughs> That's, you know, whenever I was younger in my 20s, I was like, oh, past lives are so great. Oh, I've been a Native American and I, oh, this is so great. So, you know, I've asked myself that question a lot. I really have. And, and my sense of it is that there's, there's two answers. One is that I do remember living this path, what is now called somatic awakening as an early divine feminine Christ teacher. And I needed to go through the multiple, you know, traumatic experiences that happened starting at that lifetime, going from, from that, from that place. So I could go back into remember and drop in. Right. And now I've gone back even further and it's part of the reason why I'm so connected with this, with the angels. I, I remember this great seraphim energy. I remember now being Lemurian. I remember all these different things. And I never, ever, ever could have gotten there unless I did the big work of shifting the lifetimes when I chose to be either victim or victimizer. Because if we go back far enough, we're going to run into both, right? We've all been victim and victimizer. And my sense of it is that, you know, if we've been on this planet long enough, we have a lot of traumatic memories because it's been really violent over the last few thousand years. And yeah, I can, you know, I've had like really sweet memories of living in a forest and a hut with my beloved and it was beautiful and it was great. But the memories where it's been really difficult, those are the memories that most needed healing so I could be free in this lifetime and from an oversold place that I can be free through time and space, right? Through the future, the present, and I'm sorry, the past, the present, and the future, right? So it's it's been this profound awakening beyond time and space to who I truly am and to reclaim that. So why me? I have no idea. I just know that you know, I had this initiatory experience that um, I'll just say I did a, a white woman's vision quest. It wasn't a good idea. I was out there all by myself. 
and it split, right? Something split inside of me. So maybe it was a mistake, but I don't think it was a mistake. I think that it was all um, in divine orchestration because it's absolutely shifted my life, even though I've had a lot of healing come out of it, but I wouldn't be teaching what I'm teaching now if I hadn't walked through those experiences. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the Magdalene energy, the Sophia Magdalene energy, we understand the Magdalene from the stories of Mary Magdalene, which have been many different perspectives <laughs> right. of, of who right. she was and how she lived. And what's your explanation of the Magdalene energy? Well, I love it that you're you're actually asking asking it in this way. And I've been actually thinking about this because next week, next Friday on the 22nd is the feast day of Mary Magdalene. And I'm thinking about writing a blog, you know, like, okay, well, I wrote this blog last year. What do I want to write about this year? I want to write, write about Magdalene consciousness. Oh, beautiful. So the 22nd of July is the feast day of Mary Magdalene. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Didn't know that. Yeah. Now she is a saint. I mean, it is official. They actually said back in the 1960s, oh, she wasn't a prostitute. And I was like, oh, yeah. And now recently the Pope said, this was a couple of years ago, that she is the apostle to the apostles, right? I did, I did not know that. The Pope said that she was an apostle to the apostles. The Pope said that? Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Publicly? I mean, I don't know. I don't follow. You can Google follow. it. You can Google it. The Pope said that Mary Magdalene was a. So there's an Australian filmmaker, director who made the movie called Magdalene with. Um, have you seen it? With what's that beautiful actress called? Um, was Rina? it the one with uh, River Phoenix? Yes. Joaquin Phoenix was Christ, was Jesus. I didn't think that yes. was a great casting. But anyway, yes, yes. I met him. The premiere was here in Australia and I met the director and I gave him a big cuddle and a hug and thanked him for what he did because, you know, it wasn't his memory or his story, but it was a couple of women that wrote the story and he made the movie out of it. And it it wasn't the complete representation of her, I've got to say, because I have memories of that time. Yeah. But it was better than what had been shown before. I think it was yeah. the best mainstream movie that had been shown, you know, depicting her as an apostle, as a as a follower of Jesus and not his slutty girlfriend. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so putting that into the collective, and I had no idea that the Pope had also come out and said she was he, as she was an apostle. But it's an, it's an interesting movie. It's beautifully made, and um, the actress does the job so beautifully. But anyway, to answer yeah. the question, what is the Magdalene energy and, and how can we utilise it and use it if we're calling on it? Yeah, you know, my sense is that Mary Magdalene is coming to the fore these days for so many women. So many women are feeling the calling to Magdalene consciousness because she holds the power of love in many different contexts, right? So she is the soft, sweet mother that is completely present and completely there for anything that is needed. She is the powerful, loving teacher that's going to lovingly guide us through our initiations and what we really need. She is the sister that's going to be there with us 
through whatever is needed. She is also the powerful Kali-like force that comes in and says, I'm going to love you unconditionally. And right now it's tough love. And you need to look at that girlfriend because that's not how it is. And she said that to me many, many, many times. I'm like, okay, I get it. Okay. Whoa. Okay. Whoo. Okay. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and so she can break open that box. She can, you know, pull us out of our smallness and she could also love us into the most profound puddle of receiving this powerful divine feminine love that she is. And she holds it in this unified field with divine mother, with Sophia, with Shekinah, with mother Mary, and with the entire divine feminine Christ council and all the councils that are connected to this Christ and energy. You know, my sense is that Mary Magdalene, she was an ascended master. She is an ascended master. She ascended just like mother Mary, right? So she has the ability to really connect into this Christed field and share it in the way that is most needed for us all. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, the actress was Rooney Mara. I think she did such a beautiful job of depicting that um, Magdalene energy that you're just describing because um, the character that she was playing was vulnerable, was mm -hmm. curious, was strong mind and strong willed because she went against her father's, you know, wishes. And um, for a woman of that time, that wasn't done. You had to be really strong willed, but at the same time, compassionate. And yeah, she well, it makes me quite thinking about it. She depicted all those qualities that you talked about or, or the character that was depicted as the Magdalene energy. And, um, and then at the end of the movie, she also, you know, says that she's talked to Jesus in the afterlife and, you know, his spirit or his, his, uh, what do you call it, resurrected being and, um, and she's giving a message to the rest of the mob, <laughs> the rest of the guys. It, this is in the movie. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure this happened in real life, but depicted in the movie. And they're, again, berating her and saying she's crazy, a bit like us, right, as psychics, as women mostly. You go you to psychic fairs and there's a lot of men that do this. You know, I'm not discounting the men, but the predominantly women. And then people say you're crazy, you can't see spirit or you can't talk to dead people, you know, like so that was depicted as well. It's really interesting. But anyway, what were you going to say, Di? Well, I was just going to say two things. One is that one of the the scenes of the movie that touched me the most is that she was um, she was on an errand with another apostle, and I forget who the apostle was, but they run across this village where the people were dying because of famine and um, dehydration because the water had run out. And the apostle said, oh, well, let's just leave them. You know, they're going to die. And Mary Magdalene refused. She's like, no, 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 no. This is, I forget the word, I think it was compassion. We have to show them compassion, right? And so she really helped those, they were on their last dying breaths to, you know, tend them, give them water, whatever they needed, really going against this, you know, masculine forces like, oh, we have to leave. No, 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 we're not leaving. We're, this is, we're staying. This is what we're doing now, right? And from that perspective, that was that powerful, forceful strength of knowing, knowing the good, knowing the good. And, and I like that term because that actually is in her gospel. 
the gospel of Mary, she calls creator God, the good. And actually in the gospel, there is a scene at the very end where she does actually connect with Yeshua and tell them the, the apostles more information about what was going on. And, and they asked, what did you know about him? And, and unfortunately, even though it has been discovered twice, a lot of the gospel is missing. So we still don't really know. So I can imagine and hope that one day the full gospel will be, will be found. But my sense of it is that she has so many, 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 many stories to tell. And because we don't have a lot of information, really true information that was written about her, we do have to rely on our oracle skills and our connection and our feeling, sensing, intuiting way of coming into contact with her. Well, exactly. And is that any less um, affirmative of her message than something that was written and maybe doctored hundreds of years ago? I mean, yeah. if something was written 100 years ago, does that make it any more true than if somebody is channeling her right here, right now? You know, like, right. it's crazy to think that some something that was written through a human either as a memory or channeled information is is um is more viable than the information that's coming through channels now yeah Absolutely. you know her, her wisdom and doctrine is not lost because you can contact her and chat about it right now bring it through right now yeah you don't have right. to find the papers the physical papers that's uh, right. so you, you spoke about her being an ascended master what do you think it takes as a human to be an ascended master and what's your definition of an ascended master you know we could use the term enlightenment uh, in terms of how i perceive it in a very similar way so enlightenment is different than awakening so i'm just going to kind of go into this a little bit so awakening is is multiple, many, many, many experiences that we have of awakened consciousness. Like, oh my God, there's something beyond 3D. That's that's an awakening, right? Or, wow, I can feel unconditional love. I really, really feel it for the first time in my life. That's an awakening, right? So the more awakenings that we have, the less our ego is running, right? The more the light, this is another way of transmutation. When we have an awakening experience, the light will move down into the darkness. In my experience, every time I have an awakening, there is an integration process where the light moves down to the darkness. I just got back from Hawaii. I had this huge, huge awakening experience coming back. Oh my gosh. So I'm glad we didn't have our um, podcast last week because I was, <laughs> I was integrating. <laughs> so when we move into enlightened field, what that means is that our ego is no longer running. It's still there. It might wave a flag occasionally, but the ego is no longer running. And we are aligning, living directly from this unified relationship with divine every single moment. So in essence, we move into a unified field. We move into a unified field of oneness with the divine. We feel oneness you know, around us with all beings, right? I've had these experiences. I don't live there. My ego is still working through. Um, it's much better than it used to be. But my sense of it is that as we move into these places of more and more and more oneness, we we elevate our vibration, you know, from a 
perspective of 5D conscious, you know, we're moving from 3D to 4D to 5D consciousness, right? Some people are like, oh no, we're moving from 3D to 5D. And so we can get into the, all these conversations about what's true, what's not true. I don't really care what's true. What my what I, I care about is our experience, right? How we actually open our field more and more to unification with spirit and less and less to running the dense energies of the ego. So my sense of it is that once we get into a place where we are in unified consciousness, that's where we can perform miracles, right? This is where you see these gurus in this, you know, they can perform all these different miracles because they're in this one state. Same thing with Yeshua, I think same thing with the Buddha, right? They were in this absolute oneness state. And so my sense of it is that we can say an ascended master and the form of ascension is at, you know, I'll be honest with you, I haven't gotten there, so I don't really know. But my sense of it is that they're either one and the same or they're very, very, very similar, right? We, we have ascended beyond this third level of density in this consciousness. And then we're, we're at absolute choice when we die. Do we move on? Do we move on from, you know, our reincarnation cycle or do we continue to support the earth plane? Whatever way that looks like. Yeah. I think that as humans, you know, we love to use hierarchical terms that makes somebody better or less than. Um, right. I have a lot of conversations with galactic consciousness on the shows and within my own being. And they have the ability to do all those things that you mentioned, miracles um, of Jesus. So are the Greys ascended masters? You know, here's the conversation. Um, Are all the galactic consciousnesses ascended masters or are they just living in a different understanding of the physics of density and understanding how to focus energy and focus their mind and you know just that power of focus and they have better mental agility they're not uh yeah so what do you think about that well you know it's all relative it's titles i think that's what it comes down to you know because our our brain our linear mind it does think in hierarchy. It does think in titles. It thinks in like, well, what's this and what's that? And let's dissect this and let's dissect that. My sense of it, if we were to move all the titles and just put them over to the side, what we're talking about is energetic fields, right? And so we could say, well, Jesus is in a 12D energetic field and the consciousness of another ascended master, maybe they're almost the same, but a little bit different, you know? So I think the bottom line is, um, where is a person's vibration or a being's vibration? Because, right, we're talking about higher dimensional beings as well. You know, an Arcturian could, you know, as I understand it, an Arcturian consciousness is 5D and above, right? So where's their consciousness? from a human perspective, a 5D being that appears in all their cloak of light, we're like, what is this, an ascended master? (laughs) You know, so I think for me, the way that I use ascended master specifically is it's a being who has lived on the planet and who has reached this high level of vibration and wherever they're at, they're still tending 
the evolution of this planet. They, you know, they, they evolved to the place where they had choice uh, upon death. And now they're still attending, you know, for me, Isis, Hathor, uh, Kuan Yin, Green Tara, Mary Magdalene, Mother Mary, Jesus, all of them are in that category. And I also work with very, very high level, higher dimensional beings and seraphim and other beings that are, you know, how can our linear mind even understand whenever it's so far beyond our understanding? So I hope that answered your question because I didn't want to bring in too much linearity. <laughs> <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, this stuff gets so confusing because we speak and think in a linear time frame. And um when you right. think about the cosmos and you think about how we insert ourselves into the earth experience, it's it's not a linear process. Like if we're going to come play, come play on planet Earth, like we look through time and space at what Earth has to offer. And um, and then we say, what do I need to experience in order to have this experience or, you know, explore this energy? And so I'm going to be traumatized in this life and I'm going to be, you know, the, the um, persecutor in that life and I'm going to be the saint in this life and the sinner in that life and the male in this life and the female in that life. And, you know, and we're kind of, we're playing through all time and space. And it's not like we're living our lives, dying, making a decision, then coming back. We've done it. We've made all those decisions. So it's kind of, it's interesting to sort of talk about this stuff from a true perspective, which I attempt to do with all the shows um, to kind of bring a more truer uh, perspective of what, who we are as soul. And um, likewise, we're living in fourth and fifth and other densities and dimensions simultaneously. And right. um, yeah, people that walk the earth as so-called masters have access to their other aspects that are not rooted in ego, like you've said before. They have memories of their Arcturian lives, or um, they've they've experienced the Earth plane longer, so they're u- they're used to bumping up against the egoic um, limiting belief systems and knowing how to transcend them or not to identify as them. And I think it's like a kindergarten kid that looks at a university student and says, "You're an ascended master." it's kind of like no I've just I've just been doing it longer and I've learned more and so I'm at a different level yeah 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 exactly and you know it's interesting as you were talking about you know when we realize that we've been here long enough and we have these abilities to remember our different lifetimes whether it's a lifetime as an Arcturian or Lemurian or you know, what have you, my sense of it is that this is one of the reasons why um, we have an invitation to remember our past lives. Yeah, exactly. My belief is that if a person has a desire, you know, just like what you were talking about before, if we have a desire to do so, we have a, a general sense of our intuitive nature. We go on a mission to remember our past lives. We can, we can do that. All of us can do that. I, I believe that all of us are intuitive, right? And as we unfold those lifetimes and the trauma that has kept us stuck, then we have more facility to connect in to these deeper places of wisdom. You know, uh, for instance, th- this memory of being a Lemurian, like, I could feel it. I understood this being was a very, very, very high, much higher 
place of understanding than me. And now I'm looking forward to having that information unfold inside of me as I'm ready, as my yeah. nervous system is ready, as my ego is ready. Yeah. So interestingly enough, you're looking at a past life. So in our understanding, it was in the past where you were more of you know evolved or more conscious or more of ascended than you are maybe in this life or in in in, in future lives beyond that life. Yeah. So it's not like it's a, this is what I see with a lot of star seeds. So a lot of people that have volunteered to be on Earth at this time, you know, they've explored the Earth plane either through imprinting or past lives, and so they know what they're up for. But um, they are they are these ascended beings. In fact, we all are ascended masters when we're in spirit, really. You know, because right. we're all in unity consciousness and we That's don't right. have an ego, so we're all ascended masters. But right. but they've played in the, in density where they are operating at a different level and um, they understand unity consciousness. And then they come into the earth plane and take on what it is to be human. They take on the ego and they're just lost. (laughs) Just what? (laughs) I I, I have to say, I love working with star seeds because then that level is kind of like shell shock. Like, oh my God. I'm like, okay, breathe. Let's ground (laughs) one step at a time. Connect you back up, you know. Yeah, this place, it's difficult to, you know, when you, when you look at it like as an experience, like you're looking at a movie or um, people say that when you're experiencing the earth plane from spirit, it's a bit like the um, 3D goggles that you put on. What do you call that stuff? Virtual reality. Virtual reality. So you can experience it if you're there or like the holodeck, but it's not exactly the same as when you're incarnate into a human body. And because I, because it, because even in a virtual reality game, or even when you're watching a movie, you can evoke emotion. You can cry, you can laugh, and you're having the reactions to what you're witnessing. But you're not identifying it as you. It's that identity that this is me, and that's what slips us up all the time. So when we're in the Earth experience, wearing a physical body and wearing the emotions, then we say, this is me. This is my life, rather than I'm watching it, I'm witnessing it. Yeah, so I think that's what slips us all up, all the star seeds, Absolutely. all of us. Yeah, is that identification with your negative emotions and mm-hmm. your negative beliefs and mm-hmm. all forms. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, we only mm-hmm. go on. Uh, very often, when I'm working with a star seed, what I experience, and this is not true for everyone, but what I experience a lot is very often these really high beings, it's so uncomfortable to be embodied because the body and the ego has forgotten, right? It's in separation and all the trauma that comes connected to that. And so very often they'll they'll pop out of their body and they'll be doing this high level work, but then their body will be a mess. They'll have all these symptoms and all these different things that end up in my practice because that's what I specialize on. And one of the things that somatic awakening does is that it really helps bring that higher level of energy down into the body to actually embody our higher self here in this body so that that so that we remember so that all of us can remember so i i i think i just wanted to say that because it's so shocking when we have as you said you know, uh, being on this virtual holodeck and having this, uh, this perception like, oh, I can do this. This is no problem. But when we actually forget, when we forget who we are, 
then it becomes a problem or might might have a sense of who we are, but part of us forgets. It's really difficult. Exactly. Melissa, like when you're, yeah, when you're watching something or witnessing something or even involved in it, like a virtual holiday, you, you know, it's a game, you know, exactly. and, And that's the, that's the key to living the human life is that to remember Mm-hmm. it's a game mm-hmm. it this is you know it it's not all there is that this is just the role you're playing in that moment and it's not who you are it's just what you're choosing to experience and it's just like a third dimensional holodeck experience what do you call it the 3d reality what do you call them i keep losing the um, name of it virtual reality virtual reality just yeah. like a virtual reality experience yeah, yeah it's a game i, re- yeah, I game. remember um Long time ago, I studied a lot about uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. Yeah, and I love him so much. And you know, he was uh, popular back in the '30s. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of TV or movies or anything, anything like that. And he put out all of this energy to create this little clip. And in the little clip, the one thing that he said that he wanted to communicate to the world, and it's, I think it's like a two minute clip that he said, the most important thing to remember is that this reality is like a movie. Uh And it's a little thing, but thinking about, well, how much energy and time and money it took for him to create this little clip, very different than, you know, an Instagram, you know, live feed or whatever like that. And that's the thing that he wanted to communicate to us. This reality is like a movie. And Shakespeare said it too, all the world's a stage. That's right. Uh, you know, it's the, that message can't be said enough, can't be repeated enough, but it has been transmitted through so many ascended masters, so many masters, so many teachers here on earth, so many people that have come to remind us, don't get too caught up in identifying with your problems. Right. All the world's a stage. This is like a movie. You get to write the script. You get to play the character. You can, you know, you have free will. You have choice. If you want to go down those trails of destruction and desperation, you can do that. But just remember you're at choice because all the world's a stage and you're writing the script. You're the producer. You're the director. You're the actor on the stage. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. One of the most potent, important messages of spiritual awakening throughout time and space really because uh i think jesus said the same thing and magdalene and the buddha and muhammad and krishna they're all saying the same thing really yeah wow where will we go from here healing let's talk about the angels so how have the angels made themselves known to you and i was telling melissa before we started the recording that the angels had said to me a while back um please seek out people that you know, speak about us and work with us. Uh, we want our message spread more. You know, we want to remind people that we're there for them. And I thought, oh, that'll be easy because I've been doing this for years and I thought everyone talks about angels, but actually not a lot of people do. When you look at my category on my page, I've got the angelic category. There's not a lot of people I've put in there, although we all have the ability to access and talk to them, all of us, the ascended, um, well, not the ascended masters, the uh, archangels. We all have the ability to speak with the archangels and to work with them or or all the angels, our, our own angels. Uh, not so many people talk about them. What have they said to you? When I first began really diving in more on an energetic level, 
the angels were the first beings that came to me and they shared all sorts of information to me regarding um, working with another person. So say for instance, I would have another person on my table. I used to be a massage therapist and they would just come to me and they would tell me all these different things to share with this person, almost like a transmission kind of thing. And then the person would be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Oh, wow. And so they've continued to be an incredible part of my life. Um, I'll just say that, you know, my sense is that they're constantly guiding. They're constantly putting out the energy of, okay, you know, what I'm calling in my highest good. And this is what I'm calling in and alignment with my highest good and align with my higher self. And then my sense of it is that they're going, they're going ahead of me to create the way to open the field. And so I'll give you two different stories, very, 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 very different stories. One is a very recent story of I'm writing a book and I wanted to find an incredible editor to help me write this book. And I'm not going to go too much into the story behind this, but I'll say that this woman who I used to know, who actually taught a program at New College of California, has become an incredible editor for a publisher, one of the publishers that I want to work with. And she just happened to come back into my life. And she just happened to really love my work. And I created a situation where she could very easily take my course because I wanted her there because the angel said, ask her in. And now she's editing my book and she's like, it is my mission to help you in the world. And I was like, thank you, angels, score. Yes. High five angels. Here we go. Because she's an incredible editor. And it's, and it's, you know, she's really taking this on because they've touched her being. And, and I just feel so, so excited. Um, this is just an example of how they can come in and like open the way to allow more ease and grace whenever you're in alignment with highest good and whatever your mission is in the world. So that's one story. Very different energy in this next story. Um, there were several years in my life when for whatever reason I was attracting in high levels of um, patients who had this very, very, very intense trauma you know, MK Ultra, satanic ritual abuse, that kind of energy. And I'm a naturopathic doctor as a mind, body, spirit specialist. I'm not trained. I'm not a therapist trained to really specialize in this level of, uh, of work. So I made sure that they, you know, help them create a group around them so that they could feel supported. But when they would work with me, what would ended up, what ended up happening is that the angels are really holding into space. I also called in Jesus, but primarily it was Archangel Michael, Archangel Metatron and Jesus. And they were working at this very, very, very deep level field. And my job was to hold space and to shine love, even in the most deepest, darkest, gnarliest you things you can imagine, right? I was just like, okay, my job is to just shine love. And they were just clearing the field and clearing the field and clearing the field and, you know, banishing these demons and all of these different things and unraveling these programs. And there was no way I could have done any of it without them. I didn't really do anything. I just held the space. So these archangelic energies and these higher energies can come in and powerfully, deeply, deeply, deeply heal our beings, as well as if we're a healer and work with others. I was so grateful 
I was so grateful. I was just sharing this story the other day with a friend. I'm like, I didn't know what to do. I was actually, um, I was a, you know, relatively new in my practice. Um, didn't really know. I mean, I, I had, I had training with energy medicine, but not at this level. So I was just so grateful that they came in because I wouldn't have known what to do. And I wouldn't feel like I was protected. Exactly. You know, if, if all of us knew how incredibly loved and guided and supported we are, um, not just by the angels, but by the angels and, uh, we, we wouldn't experience so much fear. You know, I was telling Melissa that my next door neighbor rushed herself off to hospital because she got some flu symptoms and um, the mainstream media have done a great job of weaponizing the flu. Like whenever anyone gets um, a cough or can't breathe or sweaty or a cold, they're like, they're going to die of COVID. And they she called an ambulance and rushed herself off to the emergency. And I'm thinking, you know, those actions are taken from deep fear, from deep right. fear that you have no control over your own bodily symptoms. And when you understand that, you've got this angelic help with you all the time. All the time. All the time. You just don't get that scared when you start to experience some symptoms. I've got to say that the MSN, you know, the mainstream media haven't done, haven't helped anybody uh, alleviate that fear of their own, you know, of getting sick. I mean, it's been happening for years. You get a pain. Oh my God, I'm going to die of cancer. Right. Anita, Anita Morjani is a classic example of that, that she spent years trying to not get sick and then got sick right. of cancer and died and had an experience on the other side, talking to her dead father and some angels. And they said, go back and live your life and live it fearlessly. And don't worry about getting sick. Your worry of getting sick created your illness. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. weaponizing symptoms, weaponizing the flu. But yeah, if, if every human being understood the intimacy of the angelic world that is with us constantly to help us, not just with editors, but with everything. Everything. <laughs> you know, everything. everything. That was a superior example. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great example because we forget that they're there to help us with anything and everything. That's right. Just Including us. facing our fear. Right. right. You know, in my experience, also the angels and our guides, these high, whether it's ascended masters or higher dimensional beings and angels, they're constantly supporting us mm -hmm. in our own connection to our higher self so that then we can go in and face those fears and all the different small boxes of contractions and less than and you know, I must say, stay if I have to stay in this box, right? So that we can shift and transcend those and then actually come into higher and higher relationship with the angels and all that's there. Yeah, exactly. Coming back to that allowing piece, that third step, that ask, orchestrate and allow, 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 allow. That's right. So I think as humans, we do lots of asking. We do lots and lots of asking. I want this. I wish that I want that to change. I don't want that, you know, in our, in our pushing against, like, I don't want the, this politician to do this. I don't want that to roll out. I don't want this. I don't want that. That's still our asking, right? I see that all over the internet. Um, you know, the cabal of controlling the world and we don't want this to happen and we don't want AI to happen. We don't want this law to be passed and we don't, <laughs> we don't want this. Yeah. And I've got to say that, you know, have you seen what's happening in, um, is it Holland? Is it Holland where the people are striking, the farmers are up in arms? 
Sri Lanka mm. are storm, have stormed the palace. Like there is huge unrest in the world. I, I was, you know, I can't help but watch it. I, I, I'm fascinated about what's going on in this world. So I look on the internet to see what's happening. And there's just people demonstrating still like years into this COVID debacle, people still demonstrating all over the world because they're not, they don't want this and they don't want that and they don't want laws to change. And that's, that's us asking. That's, that's humanity asking. That is such a, you know, I so resonate so deeply with that statement because I, I come out of a very strong activist background. I used to work for Greenpeace. Uh-huh. I told you it was a very much of an activist program. I was teaching in a consciousness healing and an evolution uh, or ecology uh, program. And so it was all about how can we change the world? And this dichotomy between I'm angry and I need it to change and the ego is going to force it to change. And I hate, right? As compared to, okay, what's really going on here? And what do we really need to do in order for things to change? And as I asked that question more and more and more and more, it inevitably came back to here. Exactly. And I still give money. I still sign petitions. I still will occasionally go to, you know, a, 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 some march. But really, it's all about here. But you, you can still take action. You know, I think that the activism mind, because I'm very involved in it too, there's this fabulous documentary that's just come out by an, an Australian filmmaker about six women, activist women, um, and it's called The Power of Activism and watching what these women are doing. And it's the first time I've seen in that sort of activism genre someone speak about consciousness because one of the women is doing ceremony and, you know, conscious is doing ceremony. Love and because usually the activism is like one of the women is a, you know, they call a shark girl. She went to Indonesia and she um, started paying the shark fishermen um, not to, catch and kill the sharks and then she transformed their world um, because she said you'll make more money making your boat a tourist boat and putting tourists on your boat and showing the people the sharks than killing them and selling them anyway so there's that sort of activism there's like this action uh and all of them talk about the stress and the burnout that they get in you know with all their activism because they're coming from i don't want this but you know which is exhausting and you do burn out when you're so full of disagreement with the world because you have to move into that love that we've been speaking about all day today or 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 on this that that sophia magdalene mary love and compassion that you can have compassion even for those that you disagree with you can have that love and compassion and you can still act from that place of um, love and compassion and yeah i see that so much in the activism movement everyone's so angry it's a, this unfair world that we live in and they just get burnout, you know, you, as a, you can't sustain that energy. Just like the toddler couldn't sustain the screaming and the yelling. You just can't sustain it. Eventually you just like go. <laughs> and really that's what the documentary is about. It's about the, the activism burnout that people have when they are trying to fight a very unfair world, a very unfair world. Yeah. 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 I think we need more angels inside the activism. That's some, that's one of my goals in life is to marry that consciousness component into the activism community because we don't want people to stop acting. And I think that 
people think that you know us spiritual people just sit around and om all day and we're making no difference to the world (laughs) we've got to go out and save the sharks and the whales you know but um as you say the the journey is the journey within you've got to go within first one of the most amazing women i've ever met she was an irish girl living here she she started a group in australia called think act change and she was rallying the activism people in sydney and she was doing such an amazing job i was so excited at what she was doing what she was presenting but then she got sick and then she eventually left australia and now she's on her own inner journey and she's not doing any of that activism because she did that she went through that activism burnout yeah right because there's so many people with such good hearts that want to change the world Mm-hmm. and uh, you've got to do the inner journey first before you take action you've got to line up with your higher self like you said mm-hmm. call in the angels get to know your spiritual team have an intimate relationship with your consciousness and your spiritual team and your higher self and your soul and then go out and <laughs> take action <laughs> yeah do the alignment right. first one of the things i forgot to actually say because as we're talking it's coming back uh, in my dark night of the soul experience when everything fell i was in the middle of writing a book on conscious activism and what all these things and all these things and i was so attached to oh this is what i'm supposed to be doing oh i'm so attached to this and i have to make a difference and and then when everything fell apart my attachment ego was very confused, but I remember a really, really deep soul sister said to me, she's like, my sense is that one day you'll understand this. Mm-hmm. And you, as you go through this process, perhaps you could even make a more profound impact on the world through this process that you're going through now. Yeah. Than if you were to stay on this path. Right. And now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, she was so right. Yeah. And you know, Lisa, I think that what you and I are doing is activism. We're teaching people about the power of their consciousness, their psychic abilities, the connection to their soul family and their angelic teams. That is activism. Absolutely. It it is. People don't understand that, you know, teaching people to meditate is activism. That's right. Yeah, it it is. It's, It's taking action, even if you're not you know, literally going out to Indonesia and stopping people from killing sharks or whatever, but it it is activism. Yeah. 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 Recently um, that same soul sister, she is, was transmitting this information and she transmitted a poem or it was like a, a prayer. And one of the lines of the prayer said, I serve to lessen the burden of forgetting on humanity. I serve to lessen the burden of forgetting on humanity, right? That in of itself is really connecting into our own soul purpose, what our mission is and serve from there. And my sense of it is that as we connect more and more and more to that soul purpose and alignment with our higher self, so we have the energy, energy to sustain it, then we're going to, we're going to shift this, but we're, we're turning the boat around yeah. whatever it looks like, whether it's on the front lines of being an activist or whether we're meditating in a cave. Right. Right, exactly. You know, there's, a, there's a beautiful woman here in Australia that started the Social Good Summit. So the Social Good Summit is something that's across the world where people come together to talk about activism and social good and to promote people that are social entrepreneurs. 
and it's in alignment with the 17 social goals that the UN put out, right? And um, she's been doing it, Katia, she's been doing it now for, gee, you know, it seems like yesterday, but I think it's been like eight years now. Obviously, over COVID, they had to stop it because it's physical. But I have said to her, when are you going to put me on the stage? I want to talk about consciousness because none of the social goals incorporates consciousness. Like, you forgot the most important part. And she hasn't put me <laughs> on there because yet because she sees it as woo-woo. So that's one of my, um, you know, desires and missions is to like meld this social consciousness, this social consciousness with expanded consciousness, you know, like to have that conversation come together. Yeah. Thank you. And may it be so. And may it be so. And so it is. And so it is. is. And, you know, I see that this documentary, very important, I'm going to put on a screening here in Sydney and, invite all the different um, groups of people from all over Sydney to come and we're going to do a panel discussion uh, because I belong to many different groups. I see it as an important first step to bringing that consciousness component into the activism space. Yeah. Because of one of the women that she's showcased is, is sort of doing that work. You know, she's doing her smudge ceremonies and out in the bush and, you know, all the girls are omming and meditating and talking about Gaia and the earth and the indigenous and all that sort of stuff. It's like, go, yeah, in that activism space. And because, yeah, there are some brilliant minds out there. I've seen so many brilliant people doing amazing things. Like one guy invented, I met him at one of the social good summits. It's called like a a, a vacuum cleaner for the ocean. So you put this thing wow. and it, and it just, attracts all the rubbish that's on the top of the water and it puts it it's like a vacuum cleaner and it puts us in this thing you, you can clean around marinas and stuff you can pick up the rubbish in there you know there are so many brilliant people doing this activism stuff and mm-hmm. yeah looking for money for their inventions and it's a it's an exciting space to be in i'm going to say it's an exciting yeah. space to be in when you see the I'm brilliant sure. minds that are inventing ways in which we can help clean up this world the mess that we've put ourselves mm-hmm. in yeah. yeah, but that inner journey is the most important journey. And thank you for the work that you're doing. And thanks for oh, coming and speaking with welcome. us. Such a pleasure being with you. This has been such a wonderful conversation. So beautiful. Really appreciate, it. Really appreciate the work that you're doing in the world too. What a beautiful conversation with Melissa, all about the divine feminine, the Magdalene energy, the angels, love the angels free will choice and remembering that it's all a game that your soul is participating in all the world's a stage (laughs) remember all the world's a stage and you are the actors and the actors on the stage but you're also the producer of it the director of it you wrote the script the script writer you're writing it what what script do you want to write what do you want to write Mm, what do you want to experience you are the creator of this experience uh lovely to talk about the magdalene energies so what does Mary Magdalene mean to you? I'd be interested. What uh, When you think of her, how do you think of her? Have you seen that film that was put out called Magdalene by what was with Rooney Mara in it? Um, what's the name of the director? I met him in the flesh. He was such a lovely man, very tall. Got a photograph of me hugging him. Um, anyway, can't remember it. Yeah, what does the Magdalene energy mean to you? Do you call on her, the the, the spirit of Mary Magdalene or the energy, the consciousness of the Magdalene energy we've got the Christ consciousness the Mary consciousness the Magdalene consciousness there's many different attributes to source isn't there that we can we can evoke or call on or embody if we like 
yeah, I'd like to hear about your experience with the Magdalen energy. Or I, I'm going to chuff off and go and have some breakfast. It's like, oh, it's actually lunchtime here now. I've been, we've been yakking for hours, but um, it was lovely to meet Melissa. And next year we're going to do and put on some summits and changing things up a bit next year. I'm, I'm um, in conversation with a few people. We're going to do things differently and put on some summits. Still have the shows, but we're going to do more summits. We've got to do the galactic gods. We did the galactic goddesses talking about the feminine energy and how that is represented, you know, in the galactic sort of consciousness and divine consciousness. And we need to talk to the guys um, before this year ends. Got to get a group of galactic gods. Do, do we call them gods? Galactic guys together to talk about the divine energy and the consciousness of um, divinity and galactic consciousness. But uh, interesting conversation when we think of ascended masters. Are they separate to us, better than us, higher than us, or that are we the ascended masters in our galactic form? Of course, or even in our spiritual form where we've all mastered unity consciousness because it's who we are. It's just this game on earth where we have the, um, the experience of the ego, which gives us the illusion of separateness consciousness. You are you and I am me and we are separate. I'm separate to the love that I want. I'm separate to all that I want. I'm separate from that. The illusion of separateness, that's the game we play on planet Earth. It is an illusion. It is a game. We are not separate to anything we want. And when we remember that, we have the ability of being that ascended master and manifesting anything we want when we realize that we are one with whatever we're asking for. We are already one with it. We can embody that frequency. And when we embody that frequency and that energy, it manifests in this dimension instead of embodying the frequency and the energy of lack or separateness or fear. Anyway, beautiful conversation. This week in the Inner Sanctum, Claudia Watts-Edge is coming in to talk to us about spirit school. We're going to have a bit of a spirit school. I've sent out an email with the Zoom link. If you want to be involved and be on Zoom with us, send me an email and I'll put you, I'll send you the Zoom link. It'll also be live streamed on my channel, on the YouTube channel and uh, Facebook. So you can participate that way. But it's lovely to see your beautiful faces and to get to meet you on Zoom and uh, to have a more of an intimate conversation just rather than just watching you type a message. <laughs> That's good too, but it's nice to meet you on Zoom. So come and join us this weekend in the Inner Sanctum. It's Saturday afternoon in the US and Sunday morning here in Australia with Claudia. And I'm there once a month now. I used to be there every week, but now I'm once a month. I'm off to the rock soon. I'm going to go and talk to the rock Uluru, which is um, has been called Ayers Rock. The indigenous call it Uluru. I'm off to the rock to commune with the nature spirits and the Palladian, um, what do we call them, the custodians of the, the rock. Uh, so that's going to be fascinating. It's been on my bucket list for years and I'm finally going to do it. So that'll be fun. And please remember to check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already. And thanks again for listening and watching and sharing the shows and sending me a comment, pressing that subscribe button and that like button. Big love to you all. See you next time. Bye for now.